Welcome to the Talent Exchange. Welcome back. I'm Jess, Head of Marketing at Networks. We connect great talent with fantastic businesses nationwide through intuitive applicant tracking technology and supportive recruitment campaigns. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Dennis Barnard, who is the lead consultant at HR Means Business Limited and is a recognised expert in the field of HR and payroll software, supporting organisations internationally with their HR software selection. In 2009, Dennis launched HR Comparison, the first UK site dedicated exclusively to HR and payroll systems, and in early 2017, he published Selecting and Implementing HR and Payroll Software as a practitioner's guide to the entire process. Dennis joins us today to share his insight into researching and selecting HR tools and to explore his three basic laws of HR technology. So please introduce yourself for the listeners, Dennis. I'm Dennis Barnard, an independent HR consultant. I specialise in HR and associated system software. Thank you so much, Dennis, for joining us today on the Talent Exchange. It's great to have you on to talk all things HR and recruitment. So I'm going to jump straight in with the first question today. So with the world now operating predominantly online, our systems, processes and procedures have all undergone a digital transformation to improve time and cost efficiencies and maximise the value of tools such as automation. One incredibly important tool for HR professionals is their HR software. So do you think the reliance on HR software has increased over the last few years? Definitely. I mean, it's more than their reliance. I mean, the whole business is now relying on it as well. Part of this has arisen from pressure from above. Management needs data. The employee experience has become all important. People want to know what's happening there in their workforce and actually how to get more out of them in exchange for giving them perhaps a bit more. So it's not just important, it's actually become vital. You can't really uh, survive without it. And apart from that, HR professionals themselves have become a lot more focused on, on on the data that's streaming out of the system. There's a whole range of things that software is is actually doing for them. It's chopping out admin, uh, it's passing details through automatically. So life is a heck of a lot easier with it. <laughs> no, I, I definitely agree. Do you think that the sort of COVID period and where everyone's had to be working from home as well has had quite a big impact on the, the pressure and the need for a good HR system? Yes, I think certainly all the anecdotal evidence I've got has shown that a number of systems didn't perform as they should have, but that's not just the fault of the systems. It's probably they weren't set up right or they weren't the right systems for the circumstances. So, you know, if a system didn't have a good self-service module, for instance, you know, they were really lost. So I think we'll find the trend as we move towards remote management, it has to be better systems coping with not just office space, but particularly a larger remote workforce. And the other thing I'd like to say, although I'll keep my fingers crossed together, I wouldn't be at all surprised if pandemics aren't more the norm rather than the exception looking forward into the future. So yes, all important to get the right thing in place to reduce your risks. I really hope that we don't have one quite like the one we've just had. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't um, mean to put the mockers on the door for you. (laughs) You just feel feel what's happened. I mean, you know, we we thought we were going to the end of it. 
and then we get hit by the variant. So, you know, the story rolls on. And I think if you've got sort of robust systems and software in place, it gives you a better position, I guess, to handle the fluctuations and, and the changes yes. and the remote working environment as a result of that. Well, absolutely. I mean, there's a huge head of steam building up from a lot of the people I know and from what I've heard on my networks. A lot of people are saying, my goodness, you know, when we get out of this, I'm definitely changing my software because it just doesn't work. And what, it's not going to work for what I want going forward. So big head of steam building. I think typically in the past, people have been a little bit hesitant maybe to adopt some of the technology because it can be incredibly complex and you know interwoven into the makeup of organizations, the way in which you work, the software in which you use and making changes or embracing tech adoption can be can be difficult for different departments or different le levels of computer literacy or people who've got the skills um, in-house. You, you shared before that you feel HR professionals are not getting enough from their technology in some of the articles that you've shared online. Why do you think this is? Well, first of all, I'd say the good news is that the technologies are getting simpler. In fact, I visit today, and remember you heard it here first, that HR tech will be part of the whole strand of a business. It won't be separated as HR tech. It will just look like a sort of a giant Facebook with data on it, which is accessible to those who are authorised to see it. So, and, and everything is now building on user experience. So that's the good news. Talking about why we're not getting enough from our systems, there are two reasons, really. Number one is pretty fundamental, where we don't have the right system. Uh, we've actually not sourced it right or whatever. We picked it wrong from the start. It's not, getting, it's not working as we thought it would. I think that's the big sort of emotion you get from HR people. It didn't work like we thought it would. So even if you've got a system that is actually doing something for you, we're not getting enough out of it. I don't think we're really exploiting enough of the features that are there. When you go along to a client, you often find they're, they're using about 70%. You sort of say, look, you could do this, you can do that. You can automate a lot more. You can pull out a, lo a lot more, you know, make available a lot more reporting. You don't have to be a gatekeeper. You just have to enable self via self-service for people to look at it. So we aren't, we're not exploiting what we paid for as well. I mean, those are the two strands behind why we're not getting up. But I think, you know, it's going to take time. And as the systems become less complex, I think we'll find easier, you know, adoption of the system. Do you think it's the, the time of the individuals who are implementing it, or do you think it's the time of the wider organisation to, to invest into making sure it's embedded in the wider business? Where do you think the, the capacity issue is to make the most of software? In the past, leading up to now, it's probably been lack of knowledge. We're not all that good at managing our relationship with the vendor. I always urge people to use the vendor as a sort of test bed. Say, look, um, you know, so their account exec or whatever, say, look, you know, we'd like to, we'd like to try and do this. We think we can do it that way. What do you think? You know, sometimes the vendor will go back and say, well, then we'll run that past the guys in the lab downstairs and see if it could work. But, you know, there has to be a better relationship in a way. It's not just they sold us the system and they're those guys. We're actually all on the same side. 
you know, the days of 25 years ago or 20 years ago when vendors just wanted to move software and say goodbye, they're over. It's a partnership now. So I think we're going to find, you know, it's not about the investment. It's actually knowing what we should know. We've talked to quite a few clients about that sort of relationship on a few of our latest podcasts about how important it is to to work in partnership and collaborate because you don't like you said you don't know what you don't know and it's it's about learning from your provider or vendor to make sure that you get the key learning there. Thought I'd just update that for the uh, for the, for the <laughs> listeners that are in the UK. And, and st- there'll be features and functionality that you might not have come across or that you've never used before in business because you didn't yeah. know you needed to or you didn't know it existed, that your, exactly. your sort of pa- people you're partnering with can, can lead you towards and help you embrace in your wider business. Totally. I mean, if, if the implementation wasn't done right for whatever reason, that's probably another reason for why things don't work. If implementation wasn't done right, there could be things that actually are in the system that haven't been switched on. You know, it needs looking at. Make sure you get your money's worth. You've also said before that for those who maybe don't have a system or are looking at changing systems because it doesn't have the functionality and they found out it doesn't have that functionality or features, that one of the other common challenges is the, the lack of research out there or information for people early on in their career about the value of the software that's available on the market. I'm on record as being rather critical of globally that the, the, the teaching uh, institutions have never really focused enough on, on the tech side of things. And that's, you know, what they should be learning in their exams. So therefore, that's been missing in a way. And it's a basic, it's a basic piece of knowledge that's needed. I think, it, you know, and to start with, if you were going to look at a system, I think you need to look at two things. First of all, what are the processes that you've got existing in your organization? You know, map them on paper. All of my poor clients have to go through a, a large exercise of process mapping so we understand what the system has to be able to do. And if you think about it that way, when you go to a vendor and say, look, this is our sickness absence process. Can your software be configured to do that? You know, that, that's the sort of thing. So first we could look at the processes. What are the outputs you want? What do you actually want to happen? What are you trying to do when you, when you do these processes and then you map them onto the, uh, onto the new system? That's a lot of work. There's no two ways about it. You need to actually have a book, almost a book, a Bible of all the processes, all of the rules and things, you know, how many days holiday, do you get extra holiday after 10 years service? At what, what age you retire? It's a whole massive information. Now, that massive information you need in a big Bible, as I say, two copies. One for you, one for the vendors, project manager when they come in. Because if you're running around to all the cupboards, pulling it out when they're sitting there, probably charging three figures a day, it's not very cost effective, is it? The secret of all of this is in the the research and the homework, first of all. 
And there's quite a lot of, of that to get through. But the yeah. saying goes, you know, time spent planning is never wasted. And the evolution of technology is, yeah. is fast, <laughs> very fast paced. And you need to, like you said, spend time understanding those yeah. aims and objectives and, and exploring your options from the outset. So you do know that people can configure the software or the people you're speaking to can configure your software in the way that you need it to, to work for exactly. your organization. I've got some hope over the horizon. I'm working with a various number of people to look at all, if all that could be plugged into your into your computer and AI will map them for you. Which would be very nice. It would indeed. It's going to make life a heck of a lot simpler. Yeah. You've shared a little bit about in the past about your three basic laws of HR technology. So yes. to, to build on that theory, is that sort of what that tool will be doing or is that something completely separate? Can you share a bit more about that? Yeah, no, no, I'm actually, I'm actually almost working on a fourth law, but my, my original three laws, I thought the three basic laws of HR tech, let's try and get this right. First of all, you know, the responsibility of every HR person to make sure their organization has the right workable HR system for that organization. Secondly, carrying on from that, they have to maintain all the data that's within it right up to date and accurately. Thirdly, to make sure that whatever that data is, is accessible to all those who need it. So if I could just expand a little bit on that. In the old days, if, yeah, let's say we were in 1996 uh, and we wanted or 2000 or even in some sectors, even today, the HR people decide to need an HR system and what would happen is the finance director who would push them in the direction of the IT people. And the IT people would say, oh, yeah, we know all this stuff. And they would then say, you know, we've got a finance system here. And if we, we could have the HR bit as an add-on at no extra cost. Wow. Everybody's happy except HR who had no say in it. And when they turned on the machine, it was a horrible user interface. So given that IT were responsible for most of the selection going back sort of over that period, right up, say, 2010, and I've looked at all the stuff that they chose and most of it was rubbish. So and I don't mind going on record. So they weren't so good at that. So I'm now saying HR is responsible. There's no more handing off the responsibility. We're going to take this squarely on our shoulders. It's ours. And IT, we don't need you apart from making sure that the uh, the way that the internet connection is working properly at the right bandwidth, and we've got the right version of Word. Apart from that, you know, you can all go away. We don't have you on the servers. So it's HR's responsibility, and given that, it's our responsibility to make sure it's up to date. So if there's a pile of sickness certification forms sitting in a corner somewhere for some poor junior to have to punch into the system every three weeks or so, it's no good. We need information in real time and it needs to be accurate. I can tell you, I have never yet gone to a client in all the years I've been working as a consultant. And when I've said, how's the data? They say, well, you know, some will say it's, well, it's kind of so-so. Others will say it's 95%. To me, there's no difference because if it doesn't work, it's rubbish. And believe me, you, you churn out, you know, a report, some management figure, 
and they spot a mistake in it. The credibility is gone forever. Anyway, so that's the data. And then thirdly, when I've spoken to clients about the reports and the and HR people then go, oh, wow, that's great, because now I can send these HR reports to all the managers and I'm saying, no, 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 you're not sending reports to anybody. Forget all that. They're there. They're configured in the system, constantly being refreshed, and your managers or whoever needs to see them just access it via self-service. We are no longer gatekeepers. We need to get, you know, it's not our data. We're just responsible for it. Data belongs to the business. So those are the three laws that try to frame, you know, where is the responsibility of what are we supposed to be doing with it? And it's a big part of the organisation. It's a it's a hugely yes. important function, and making sure that data is accurate and accessible is is critical. Like you said at the beginning, talking about the the need for for greater management reporting and and greater access to information and insight, and without that accuracy in a well configured system, you can't pull out that management information that you need for the business. So uh, critical. Oh yeah, I mean it, it's every day now. There's been a huge emphasis on this and it's having its effect. You know, people are taking it a lot more seriously. In fact, there's a whole industry built up now around HR analytics, which is important, but I don't believe there should be analysts looking at this. I believe HR people should be learning how to analyze it rather than hire an analyst out of some university to sit in the middle of your HR department send all your HR people on an analytics course. Very, very interesting. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your, your insight. A lot of organisations have big processes for changing technology. It can be quite a, a daunting process, and that might include like writing a business case for an organisation, working with wider stakeholders to understand needs, like you said, mapping out those lengthy processes. And as we've discussed, HR tech is not something that everybody studies. There's not always a wealth of research out there, and you tend to learn from practical application and using it in different businesses as you go through your career. So for those people who are at the start of their journey are looking to change their HR software where would you recommend they start their research projects where would you go for that information maybe you'll say your tool <laughs> uh, which is going to be available soon I'm sure but where would you where would you recommend people could go today well starting from scratch I think first of all you have to understand what the mission is what are we trying to achieve and to do that you need to talk to all your internal clients what do they need what does management need what do you need to reduce admin and to make your operation smoother and, and more efficient? I think you have to start over and saying what is needed and what might be needed. If I'm in an organization that's expanding, I need something to scale up quickly. If I'm in a sort of a rather rotting organization that could only be losing numbers or downsizing, then you don't need anything quite so heavyweight. So start off with what you need, first of all. Then, I mean, there's a number of ways you can actually get information about systems, but I think you, first of all, have to understand what you're trying to achieve. You can go to exhibitions, although that needs careful planning. I think somewhere in my book, there's a whole chapter about exhibitions and how you can waste a whole day if you're not careful. You can do research online, but that's very hit and miss. There are some websites. It's called GPA Comparison. It's operated by Global Payroll Association. 
And it actually used to be HR comparison in the days when I set it up and ran it, and then, and then GPA took it over. And that's a very good way of comparing software, various software of each, each other. So you put in what you want, turn a handle and out comes a list of names. That's a good way of doing it. Or if you're really feeling flush, you could always hire an HR consultant like me. <laughs> but, you know, whatever it is, I'd say it doesn't matter where. I think your starting point has got to be understanding what it is you want. And to do that, you've got to ask the people inside the business. You've also got to understand the processes of the business, especially in the HR itself. What is all the stuff you're dealing with? How do you want to deal with it most effectively? And the minimum administration. So th that's where I would start. No, it's a critical uh, part of your process doing that sort of internal audit. And yes. you're right, there is a lot of external sources of information for you to pull that research, some more reliable than others. And I know there's a lot of different review sites, including the one that you've mentioned, and there's Captera and GetUp, where you can look at other people's reviews and personal experiences and ratings of software too, which can be incredibly helpful. But it's always worth making sure that you check the sources of your information and use it as a as one part of the wider puzzle not just as the the sole no i would say one point of that is when people you know i see a lot of people go to linkedin and they say could you recommend me an hr system uh it's rather like if i went to linkedin could you recommend me a holiday and so somebody says you can't beat mountaineering and i say yeah but i kind of hobble around a bit after a stroke so i don't really want mountaineering experience is only useful where it actually matches your own use you know very very much the usage of the hr system every organization has a slightly different requirement of it so you have to be careful what you're comparing but and and you need to be fairly structured in what you want to ask as well some people will tell you about this system they were using five years ago it could be the latest iteration is fairly horrible you know, or, or even better, who knows? So I think I'd be very careful about sort of that type of recommendation, to be honest. But could be used as a wider, wider puzzle piece, I think. Well, you could bring it in as additional information, certainly. You know, there is always a trend. But let's face it, it it's it's not easy. We, we support quite a lot of our clients in optimising and innovating on the recruitment side, but in mm -hmm. HR software, there's an even wider array of features and, and functionality to yes. explore. So what do you think the, the key, dis what, and what for your clients really, are the key deciding factors that many organisations will be looking for with their HR software? Is there, is there any key features and functionality that you think are quite defining and quite common across multiple sectors? I think what I tend to emphasize to people is the key is configurability. You know, there could be a hundred HR systems that all have an absence module. So you would think fairly enough that that would be, a be able to handle my absence procedure, but not all of them can configure to the way you want it. You know, we all as organizations do things in a rather different way. So configurability is the key. I think you've got to have a really good self-service. And on top of that, I think you need a communication, a good communication tool and performance management. 
this all comes about our friend the pandemic has actually thrown into sharp relief the, the means of communication looking at it on a broader picture management skills have changed or will change or are changing because managing a bunch of people in the office or in a few offices is one thing managing people who are uh, a remote takes a different skill skill set and you need as much technological help as you can get so you need you know a lot of people are, are switching to slack team you know teams and all that stuff it's not about the technology necessarily you need to have it available it's the way you use it so don't bombard your people with emails and all that so there is a whole new skill set and it needs the right technology to back it up and you know that that has been one good outcome of the pandemic I do think there's also during this time been a lot of discussion around the user interface of software as people mm -hmm. have had to very quickly adapt and get used to using software in a different capacity, like you said, the communication tools, et cetera, and being able to access them and, and quickly navigate or learn how to navigate has been paramount to the success of a number of organisations because they've had to pretty much overnight move to an entire remote workforce. So I think similar to some of the other suggestions you mentioned, I'd say user interface is also incredibly important so that people can quickly adapt and, and get used to the working interface that they're utilizing for work i think if you ask any software vendor i talk for a lot of them most of the time and that's the thing that's uppermost on their minds is the user you know the user experience is everything now and i think that's a good thing because before up until about 10 12 years ago a lot of the hr software was fairly clunky to use so we, we like to ask a little bonus question in the podcast. We tend to ask this to most people who are joining us on the Talent Exchange. And today we'd like to ask you what you think is going to be a key trend for sort of talent acquisition and HR professionals in the next six months based on the kind of things that we've shared today. So what would you say is going to be on the agenda in the next six months? Well, I've been reading a lot of experiences, especially of how companies have managed during the pandemic. And the emphasis was totally on how do we do the most we can virtually. We found that, you know, or what they found, that it actually saved a lot of time. The candidates were actually far more at ease. They hadn't spent two hours on the train worrying about everything, you know. So, and then lost their way to the interview or the cab got delayed. So there's a million and one little tiny reasons why. So the whole emphasis now, when you look at how they're planning it, online assessment, you know, assessment centers are now becoming virtual or a lot of them are virtual now. So it's the way the business has adapted, which has been incredibly impressive. You know, I've read some really super cases People have been ingenious in, in, in putting things together to make things keep on going. And I think that emphasis, uh, and if we think about it in the round, it is less time consuming. It is better for everybody. Saving on traveling costs. You can run a whole assessment center online. I just think it's wonderful. It saves everybody a lot of time. And it worked perfectly. Another upside to the pandemic. And I think the other 
the other part of this equation is also the automation of, of the of the admin bits in between the scheduling the responses and so on so again i'd say that you know again everything is gearing towards more of that remote and virtual so i think that will be the big trend is that actually making it better and better i think a lot of people will be doing that because they'll realize the the impact it's had on the the wider business in the change in operations so everyone will be looking at different ways to maximize those efficiencies and like you said refine the processes that might have been cobbled together to make it happen yeah. overnight. Excellent. There is one other thing I would say, which will be a sort of dot on the horizon, will be the blockchaining, if you like, of CVs. Once a CV has been verified by whoever needs to verify it, it's out there and, and it will be there for all to, to see. So this, this case of following up references which is always a hit and miss thing because there's no obligation, certainly not in the UK. Once we know that the references that are online and available to view to those who need to view them are genuine, I think that will actually save a huge industry. I suppose the only problem will be for people who write a different, a slightly different CV for every job, but never mind. But at least what we would say is we could certify the experience that they're showing. I think that's a little blip on the horizon, but it will come into focus as we go through the years, I'm sure. Very, very interesting, Dennis. Thank you for sharing that. So you're the first person to raise that one on one of these podcasts. So thank you. And thank you in general for, for joining us today on the Talent Exchange. It's been absolutely brilliant to have you on. Oh, no, it's been fun. Really enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed today's episode on the three basic laws of HR software and we hope you'll join us on our other podcast too where we share insights, top tips and discussions on the latest HR and recruitment trends. For more information about Dennis and his resources for HR professionals, make sure to connect directly on LinkedIn or visit his website hrmeansbusiness.com. To find out more about what networks are up to and how we are supporting over 450 clients nationwide to attract, engage, manage and onboard top talent, head over to networksolutions.co.uk. Until next time.